folks rejoice for those of you out there who will start their weekend today. Some people have to work into the weekend. For me, normally, Friday is my Thursday because I have to do work for the ACC Digital Network. And our Saturdays are always filled with football games that we have to cover and bring to you that you can check out on the ACCDN. We do great uh Work with player features, team features as well, but uh, highlights are bread and butter. So normally Friday is my Thursday. So I'm a little happy, but not as happy as a lot of other people that will be off uh, on Saturday and Sunday. Well, I, I know, I know, Viddy isn't happy with me right now. Mm. <laughs> why is it? Why aren't you happy with Tropic right now? What time is it? It's uh, one oh one exactly. And what segment are we doing? Campus count. And Which, what did we not come back with? What, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. The 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 teacher That's a upset with the pupil. Yeah. That's right. a slip. Well, guess what? We're gonna go to it right now. It is time for the campus counter. Woo! How do you not get excited when you hear those drums hit? Okay. Well, Wes, I gotta tell you, man. I know you said this isn't a great week in the college football. Uh huh. I disagree with you, man. Penn State, Ohio State, big noon kickoff in Columbus. I'm invested. You got the third Saturday in October. And I think Tennessee can go uh, into Tuscaloosa and, and get a win on the road against the Crimson oh, Tide. Oh, okay, your boy Joe Milton. You've got you've got uh, USC, Utah. Someone's getting eliminated yeah. from the playoffs. Yeah. And then look at you, oh, Duke, Florida State, mm-hmm. Clemson, Miami's. This is a really good week in well, the college football. I was saying that it's not a loaded slate, but there are good games on the docket to be able to check out. So let's get into it as far as some of the local teams are concerned. The biggest local game of the weekend, our choices, Charlotte and East Carolina, Furman and Western Carolina, Clemson and Miami, Virginia and North Carolina, App and ODU, and South Carolina and Missouri. They are on the slate this weekend for games. If I had to pick the biggest local game of the weekend, it would be the one that I forgot to throw into the rundown. Duke and Florida State. To me, it's no question here. This is a big spot for both teams. And get this. Duke has never beaten Florida State. Okay? Never. Florida State is 21-0 and all-time against the Blue Devils. Also, Florida State's on a 12-game winning streak, too. So, they're one of the hottest teams in college football. Duke comes in with the defense that is top five in the nation in total defense. They have one of the best defenses in terms of pass efficiency. We know that they can run the football with the best of them going up against those high-powered Seminoles under the lights. Dope Campbell. This is going to be a huge game. I can't wait for it. We still don't know if Riley Leonard is going to play, but if not, Henry Beelan, the fourth, will go. And I think that he's more than capable of executing this upset. I think that Duke has a chance to really muddy this game up with that defense. And Florida State, man, they've had some really good wins. And to your credit, I feel like the LSU win was a little bit diminished because of how they've been. They're a good Mm -hmm. team, but not a top-five team like we thought they were coming into the season. Definitely didn't play great against Boston College. Virginia Tech, they had spurts there where Virginia Tech got close and then they they took it out. They blew out Syracuse. So I think to me, that's the biggest local game of the weekend. Duke's really got a shot uh, to go in there to Tallahassee and really make some noise. And it would really upset the apple cart, so to speak, when you talk about the college football playoff, because I think that if Florida State takes an L, it's going to be very detrimental to the ACC as far as getting a team in the playoffs. And it would hurt Florida State's chances immensely 
and it would put all of the pressure on the heels to be the college football playoff representative for the ACC. This game is fascinating because Duke's defense is going to keep them in the game no matter who's that quarterback. I don't see Florida State putting up more than 24 points on, on, on Duke. That's how good the Blue Devils' uh, front seven is. Think about what Mike Elko's done in a year and a half. And twice in less than a month, Duke's played primetime games on ABC mm-hmm. against Notre Dame, a college football power brand, and now Florida State, a team that I think is the best team in this conference, a team that I think is ready to make its return to the national scene of college football. But I think Duke can play with them no matter who's in at quarterback. So it's it's going to be fascinating. Do you think, Wes, that the ACC's best shot at getting a team in the playoff is an undefeated Florida State? I don't think a one-loss Duke, a one-loss Carolina no. is, yeah. is, is, is going to get in. Like, As much as I want to see Carolina in the playoff, they got to go undefeated. I think that's too much to ask for. For us to get a team in the dance, it feels like it's going to be undefeated Florida State. Yeah, there needs to be an undefeated team coming out of the ACC, and I think that ACC championship game has to be of national interest as far as having two teams that are at minimum inside of the top ten. Joe Klatt gave Duke the blueprint to be able to win this game or at least a key part of their plan. Let's hear what Joe Klatt had to say on the Joe Klatt Show. If there, if there is a knock on Florida State's defense is that their run defense is is not great. If you look at the Florida State run defense numbers, you'll actually see that if you strip out sacks, they're giving up about five yards per carry. They're 94th in the country in yards per carry allowed. Mm. So if I'm Duke, test it. Get after them. Try to get after them in the run game. That's what I think that they should be should, should be doing. This is one of the best rushing attacks in all of college football. They average 198 and a half yards per game. That leads the ACC and one of the best in the country. 17 rushing touchdowns. They're averaging 5.6 yards per carry. And yes, that rushing defense of Florida State, 10th in the ACC. I think that's definitely the way to go, especially if you start Henry Beal in the fourth. That's going to be Duke's M.O., coming into that stadium and to slow down the high-powered offense of Florida State by keeping them on the sideline, even though they've got a phenomenal defense. Florida State's offense, 42.2 points per game, leading the ACC. I know FSU's got Jared Verse on its defensive line. I don't think they're as physical up front as Notre Dame was. You go back to when Duke wasn't able to finish the, you know, that upset off. It was really because they got worn down up front. Mm-hmm. FSU's got dudes. They've got bodies. But I do think if Duke is committed enough to it, if they get the if 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 it's a one possession game in the fourth quarter, they can still run the ball. Mm-hmm. I think they got a shot. If this thing go gets out of hand, like Florida State spots them a quick fourteen because they're at home. Mm-hmm. It's a big play offense. And then Jared Verse and that and that defense can pin its ears back. This thing could get ugly, but Duke's just too they're 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 too well coached. Mm-hmm. And at this point, they're just too damn good. Like last year, we thought it was a coaching. It was all about Elko. Mm -hmm. No, he's getting the most out of the talent. And that's why I think they're going to travel down there and they're going to compete as much as any team has against the Noles so far in 23. Yeah, Florida State's total defense, 10th in the ACC. They're surrendering 5.3 yards per play. So Duke definitely has... Uh, something that they can go to, that they can lean on. And I know that Florida State is going to be cognizant of that. And they're going to, I think their plan is going to be to stop the run first. So also, when we look at these games out of the local slate, the most upset potential uh, that is here. And so there are definitely a lot of choices. If I had to pick a game 
I would have to go with Fiddy Yatar Heels. I think that has the most upset potential because of the rivalry. And because when I spoke to you about this, this was a game that you weren't quite sure of. Now, I know Virginia has been horrible, but they almost beat NC State. Penalties really hurt them uh, in that game down the stretches. They were able to battle back. They do have to go into Chapel Hill. The ACC has been weird. Just when we thought that Louisville was in the clear as a clear-cut contender, they go and lose to Pittsburgh. So, I mean, Virginia, North Carolina, the South's oldest rivalry, correct? That, that is game correct. right there to me would have the biggest upset potential, not necessarily because I feel that Virginia has a real, real shot to win, but this would just be damning for all parties involved if Virginia was able to rise up and beat the Tar Heels. I'm not going to lie to you, Wes. If if I, and I'll be in Keenan tomorrow night to watch this game, if I watch them lose at home to Virginia... Shroppy will be the full time board op moving forward because I will no right. longer I will no longer be here. <laughs> I will I, because I don't know if I can handle in less than a year watching my team lose at home to Georgia Tech and lose at home to Virginia. But look, Tony Elliott needs something. Yeah, he does. He needs something to hang his hat on. Rivalry games are what make the sport what it is, and it's these types of moments that 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 deliver. You know. Some some of the bet the most intrigue and so I've said all year long this is the the most I've been confident in a fast start to Carolina but do I trust them a hundred percent hell no this is Tar Heel football I know at some point they're probably going to let me down I don't think it's tomorrow though that game's at home it's in Chapel Hill I don't see them getting caught up by a bad, and I mean a bad, Virginia team. Yeah, so we've got on the text line going an 806 number out of Texas. Said, I will die on the hill that FSU is overrated if Riley plays, Duke wins. Roger, the Irishman, says one loss, Duke goes to the tax slayer muffler bowl. So, okay, <laughs> there you go. Uh, Dennis E. says that FSU has been dodging fate. Fate catches up this weekend. Okay, that's one thing that I think about, too. I think about omens like that and that Duke has one of their best teams arguably ever, maybe their best team ever. The fact they've never beaten Florida State, that's going to be on their minds. And the fact that Florida State is on this win streak, because if you think about it, 12 games, they get to the college football playoffs, they would be sitting in an 18-19 game win streak. Do we feel like Florida State's that type of juggernaut to have that type of stat under their belt? That's that's the interesting part. Bradley Blank says, let's go Duke. Uh, Playmaker Baker disagrees with you, Fitty. He says Alabama won't lose two years in a row to Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I watch a lot of Alabama. I watched that game last week at, at home against Arkansas, and they couldn't put away uh, K.J. Jefferson and the Razorbacks. Yeah, Joe Milton hasn't been the guy I thought he was going to be because that arm, I, the, the arm talent's too good for the passing to be as bad as it's been. But if Tennessee stays committed to the run, they're better defensively. You force a couple mistakes from Jalen Milrow. Don't be surprised if, if Tennessee comes out of comes out of Brian Denny with another win. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's so hard to go in there and beat Bama at Bama. It takes a gargantuan effort. Uh, on all fronts to be able to go in there and beat them. And like you said, me, you and I disagree on Joe Milton. I don't think that uh, he's what he's been cracked up to be, especially with the folklore that you hear about the arm strength and all of that stuff. I think he's a solid quarterback, but I don't know. It's just something about Bama with Milro. They make just enough plays to be able to win this game. And so I'll ask you, uh, as we're up against it, do you see uh, any big upsets 
in the national landscape of college football this weekend. And obviously, I would feel like that your biggest game is no doubt Penn State and Ohio State. That game's going to be a lot of fun, even though I think Penn State, like they always do, they can't beat anybody uh, that's on their level or above. So I'm going to take Ohio State at home in that one. Ohio State's a five-point favorite. But do you see any big upsets on the horizon in college football this weekend? I mean, if I, if, if I were to go out there and say that I think Penn State beats Ohio State, how much of an upset are we calling? They're two top seven teams. Mm-hmm. And they're two teams, they're two teams that we don't really know a whole lot about uh, just because in the Big Ten you don't really play anybody until November. The answer is no, though. I think the results you expect to see – whether it's in Columbus or down there in Tuscaloosa, out there uh, uh, on the West Coast, I think they're going to happen, which means we'll get chaos. Yeah. Because that's 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 just how this sport works. When, 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 we're, when we're expecting chalk, we get upsets left and right. And so I wouldn't be surprised if the sport gets turned upside down this weekend. Yeah, I mean, South Carolina going into Missouri. We know South Carolina, the heartbreaking loss that they took against Florida. How will they respond to that? Maybe they can go into Missouri. Missouri's only a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Can they go to Missouri and be able to get a win against Willie P's Fighting Tigers? We'll I don't see. think so. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a tall order, but I think that's the game. And South Carolina seems to be able to hang with most teams that they play. It's just critical mistakes here or there that give them the loss. And then Shane Beamer will be up there blaming everybody uh, but himself. <laughs> he'll blame the mascot. He'll pick somebody he'll break, out. He'll break his other foot. Yeah, he'll be able to pick somebody else to say that the loss was responsible for and not because of coaching or anything that he did. So when we come back, we're going back to Panthers talk. Is it vital that the Panthers acquire a first-round pick for this draft on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ? If you guys could see that, I might, during one of the breaks to put on social media, man, I might have to get some fitty dancing and put it to some music and stuff like that because I feel like that the viewers would enjoy that very much. If you could see him dancing to songs when they come on, because when this one comes on, I'm thinking about potato salad, baked beans, ribs. This sounds like cookout all day long. Okay, but welcome back to the Wesson Walker Show. No Walker mail, but I'm joined by Josh Fitty Marlowe and Shroppy. Back there on the ones and twos. Be honest with me, Wes. You having more fun with me than with Walker? Uh, I'm not going to say that. I enjoy uh, hosting with both of you guys equally, and I love you both. So I'm going to (laughs) – I don't normally (laughs) sit on the fence, but uh, definitely right there I'm going to say I love both of you uh, equally, you know? I thought we had him, Shrub. I thought we were going to have him to admit that he wasn't missing Walker. I know. Yeah, maybe we just, you know, maybe Walker flies back whenever he comes back to the studio. We just barricade him next week, you, you know? You see that, Fiddy trying to play divide and conquer, man. I, I was ahead of that. I can, my third <laughs> eye, as they like to say, I, I saw that. All right, so keep the text coming, 704-570-9610. Hit that follow button, most importantly, on the Wesson Walker page on Twitter, WFNZ, Twitter, and Instagram, at HTB underscore Josh, at Westboro. Brian underscore 72 and at Shroppy WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram. Hit us up. DM us. Whatever you want to do, man. Let's get that social media interaction cracking. All right. So now getting back to Carolina Panthers talk. Yes, they don't play this week, but we're still going to talk about them. Still topics on the table to be discussed. And so when you look at this team, there's going to be a big grocery list. I keep calling it that. There's going to be a big grocery list that the Panthers have to shop for. 
after this season, man. And there were some positions that are popping up that you didn't think you were going to have to shop for. And then there are positions that uh, you may want to beef up with some quality depth. But the question here is, is it vital that the Panthers acquire a first-round pick in this draft, especially since you found your franchise quarterback? And to that, I say no. Um, We know that the draft is a 50-50 proposition when you pick a guy. We know that the bus rate on first-round picks is very high. Uh, now, you don't feel as comfortable with Carolina's scouting department and what they've done because you're staring down the barrel of potentially only having one draft pick from this class that ends up being of substance. We shall see. Time will tell. But a lot of people are speculating that some trades could happen, especially Carolina trading some of their most valuable assets, i.e. Brian Burns or Derek Brown or Frankie Louvu or some of those guys to perhaps secure that coveted first round pick. And depending on the team, could be a pseudo second round pick anyway, especially if you're talking the bottom of round one. And so I want to know from you guys out there again, hit the text line 704-570-9610. Do you want Carolina to desperately go after trying to get a first round pick in this draft at this point, because, uh, you know, when you look at it, I feel like after you get the quarterback, it's all downhill from there. And I know it doesn't look great right now being over, but I think that it's not the most imperative thing for you to try to get into the first round, especially if you have to sacrifice something. It's like, okay, if you do trade Brian Burns, is it dependent on what team tries to trade for them, where you project them to maybe pick in the draft? I mean, of course, if you did more business with Chicago, then, you know, let's just say that you you did a draft day like Kevin Costner and they <laughs> give you back your pick that you lost and you end up getting that second pick. OK, then I get it. Then you get a chance to get a real franchise cornerstone, which we feel like Brian Burns is could still be. Because he's on pace right now, folks. I know every game you don't necessarily feel the impact of him just dominating offensive linemen down in and down out. But he's still on pace to be around the same sack numbers that he had last year. He's still on pace to have just as many or more tackles for loss than he had last year. That production is not going to be easy to replace. And so if you get rid of him, you're going to have to replace him at some point. So are you going to do that through the draft? How will you go about doing that? And so I say no. I don't think that the Panthers need to go all out to acquire a first-round pick in this draft unless you really get a godfather offer. Yeah, I I mean, I think the answer is no, just because from a draft capital standpoint, you can't continue to mortgage future draft capital for right now because at some point the lack of capital down the road will come back to bite you in the butt. And so unless you're trading away Brian Burns, I don't see how you get back into the first round. And then furthermore – like, how much do we trust Scott Fitterer to, to continue to make first-round draft picks for this team? Because the only one that we're really confident in moving forward 100% is Bryce. Because Icky has shown some regression, although I think it is natural for a left tackle to regress in his second year. When you play as much as he does the first year where teams got a lot of tape on you. And so, I mean, unless you're trading away Burns, something that I've been a believer of. They should have traded him away last year for the, the amount of capital you were given mm-hmm. um i i would say no it's 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 going to be hard being you know what a four and 13 team maybe best case scenario you get to five and 12 
and you not have a first-round pick in the draft, but Mm -hmm. you can't continue to give up future draft capital because at some point the Rams are going to find this out the hard way. It's going to come back to bite you in the butt. Yeah. And so you pose a great question when you talk about it being one year since Carolina traded Christian McCaffrey, and you definitely feel like they lost that trade, especially when you talk about McCaffrey being a potential MVP candidate this year and him continuing to be one of the more dominant offensive players in college football. I mean, in pro football. It was both. He was dominant in college and now (laughs) in the pros. Yeah, so you were asking, does this prove that they shouldn't trade Brian Burns? And so let's hear from Trevor Sikama, who was on the Kyle Bailey show, talking about the potential of trading Brian Burns. If you are too far away on this deal, like if the two sides are not close, you can get way more from him in a trade, even if it's not two first-round picks than the third-round maximum comp pick that you're going to get if you let him walk or nothing. And you could franchise tag him, and I think that that's all still options. But to me, he's the most alluring one there. Because, you know, I've heard, hey, Terrace Marshall Jr. is on the trading block. I don't really know what you get back for Terrace Marshall Jr. It's it's not going to be something that's super significant. I don't think it's going to be for any of these receivers that they might put on the market. To me, the only guys that you would potentially move on from that actually hold value would have been Jeremy Chin and Brian Burns. And, Chin doesn't get moved now because of the injury. And for Burns, it all just depends on where you think this team is short-term and long. Yeah, and so when you go take a look at Carolina's payroll and you look at next season and what the cap hits are going to look like for 2024, well, Taylor Moten definitely seems like a guy that a a decision is going to have to be made. He's got a $29.7 million cap hit for 2024. Yeah, and it's one of the worst right tackle contracts I think I've seen the Cowboys gave Lyle <laughs> Collins a big contract. Yeah. Two years later, he was gone. Now he's out of the league. When they gave Moten the contract, it was bad. And I know Walker thinks he's a top 10 player <laughs> most weeks when we do our top 10. Yeah. But I think the tape and the PFF and the PFF numbers would suggest that's not the case. I think he's very capable of being a cap casualty next offseason. Yeah, I think so as well. And so Dante Jackson, this is another guy that's, on the trade block, so to speak, he will have a $15.8 million cap hit. So that's one of the reasons why uh, I think they're looking towards him as a guy that could be dealt away. Derek Brown sitting there at $11.6 million. And then Von Bell, Austin Corbett, and Hayden Hurst all over the $10 million mark uh, for 2024. And so when you look at it with Brian Burns, the Panthers aren't really paying a ton of guys big-time money like that, and they're definitely going to have to make some decisions on Burns and Derrick Brown. Brian Burns could be a guy that they could decide to um, hit with the franchise tag. And then when you look at Taylor Moten, as I said, a decision will have to be made there. And then Derrick Brown, they're also going to have to make a decision with him. And so when you look at the calculated market values, According to SpotRack.com, Brian Burns is at 23.4. Derek Browns is at 11.8. And so if you're able to get a guy like Brian Burns at 23 million, that's going to give you 12 to 14 sacks, uh, 15 to 20 tackles for loss. I think that's a pretty good bargain uh, in today's NFL climate if that's what he settles for. I feel like he could get more on the open market. I feel like the Panthers are going to end up paying him more than that, uh, especially if he puts up numbers that are right at what he was at or better. And so, you know, I think that maybe you stand pat right now on Burns unless you could get a really, really great offer. And I'm not sure that you get that with – 
I'm not sure that you get that type of deal that the Rams were willing to give you uh, last season because teams kind of know that you're looking towards a quote-unquote fire sale. And I do the air quotes as I say that. Joey from Huntersville says sell burns for a first and a third. That, that could be a deal that you could make. But a first and a third, I think it just depends on where that first is. Uh, 704 number says the real question is do we trust who's making these picks well that's always uh, a question right there Panther Bo says we don't need any top receiver talent either signed coach D Tepper (laughs) (laughs) so David Tepper disguising himself as Panther Bo and then uh, Big Cat Dan says that if you know you are not going to pay him trade him don't let him walk for nothing I mean, I agree with that, but I still think, like I said, you're going to have to replace that production. It's not like you have a young guy on the other side. It's not like you've got YGM sitting over there with six or seven sacks and the guy that you can say, all right, you know, we could get off the Burns money and keep our overhead low because you're not going to pay Bryce Young if he ends up being what you want him to be. You're not going to be paying him a big, big deal for another four seasons. So the Panthers have a really a four-year window to really, really – stock this roster and insulate it with players that are going to help Bryce Young reach his potential and also put them in a spot because we know that that's the name of the game in the NFL right now. You look at a lot of the great teams, they want to load up their teams while their quarterback is still on the cheap because once you pay them, you're going to have decisions to make. You're going to have to get younger and cheaper at a lot of different spots. So like I said, I say you don't trade Burns for now unless you could get a significant pick. Now, when you look at this offense and we talk about a grocery list and the team that they just played number one in several categories. And so when you look at this Carolina Panthers offense, and when we talked about during the draft, you know, I wanted guys like Tank Dell and some of those type of football players, because when you look at this offense, is it me? Texters out there, let me know. Is it me or is this one of the slowest offenses in the league when you talk about team speed? I mean, Adam Thielen, we know he gets it in, but this is the guy that's averaging around (laughs) 7.7 yards per target. Okay. Uh, Jonathan Mingo, yeah, he can run. He ran good in his pro day, but we're not seeing that translate to him getting open and making catches on a routine basis right now. DJ Chalk, yeah, he still can run a little bit, but I don't see 4-3 when I watch him. And then Miles Sanders and Chuba Hubbard, especially Chuba Hubbard. Chuba's a, a very serviceable back, serviceable back. He's a good back. But he's not, you know, you think about some of the runs he used to make at Oklahoma State, and I feel like he put on weight, and that might have slowed him down a little bit. Oklahoma State, this guy every week was breaking 70, 80-yard runs. Yeah. But we don't see that in the NFL. And I think that this offense could certainly use an influx of speed. I know I this LaVisca Chenault uh, earlier this week when I said they need to stop running reverses with him because he's too slow and trying to get him the ball so much acting like that he's just this tremendous weapon that's going to decimate a secondary because I said he doesn't break tackles like a Debo and he just doesn't have tremendous speed where you're really fearful of him. And so I think that the name of the game, not that you want to necessarily copy what the Miami Dolphins are doing, but you got to get some guys on this offense that are that have the requisite speed and are matchup problems. You want to become more dynamic. All right, so if you're Mingo, all right, yeah, we know you can run. You got a you ran a, a fairly good forty time at your workout, but is he going to use that that strength and that size to be dynamic? You can be dynamic in a lot of ways. Like you can go out there and make 50-50 catches and yep. use your body and continually bully guys and just be dynamic in that way. But you need a couple of guys, man, that teams are worried about. Like 
that teams are saying, my God, please don't let this guy catch the ball. When you play the Dolphins, obviously with Tyreek Hill, you're like, please don't let this guy catch the ball. With the 49ers, multiple weapons all over the field. The Eagles, multiple weapons all over the field. And even like the Kansas City Chiefs, they may not have that household name at wide receiver, but they've got a lot of guys that can hurt you in a lot of different ways and have different skill sets. And I feel like that this Panthers offense could use an influx of speed on offense. There's no denying that more, you know, that the more speed would be helpful. You know what they need more than anything, Wes? What's they need that? guys that can just win. Yeah. They don't have guys outside of Adam Thielen. They don't have an outside receiver that can win on the routes. Yeah. Like and, and and look at look at Jalen Hurts. Once he got an AJ Brown, a guy that could win one on one on the outside, he mm-hmm. becomes an MVP candidate and, and goes blow for blow with Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. And so I hear what you're saying. Where yes, you would like to have a little bit more speed in today's NFL because it's so much harder to defend. But if Carolina had guys that could just win, win at the line of scrimmage, win 50-50 balls in the air. This thing would look a lot better. I think that's the biggest thing is that I think we thought that DJ Chark would be able to win on his routes more. TMJ, we thought, was going to eventually take that next step to be that outside receiver that this team desperately needs. None of that has happened, and that's why we feel just so compromised offensively because you look at the Miami, you look at the Dolphins offense, and yeah, they got track stars all over, but those guys, even if they're not running by their opponents, they're winning They're winning on the routes in other ways, and that's what Carolina just doesn't have right now. Yeah, and the thing, too, is you have to account for them on every play. You have to account for where these guys are and what they're doing. You can't just be like, okay, yeah, we'll worry about Tyreek Hill, and then we'll go to sleep on Jalen Waddle. Nope, because he'll beat you. Go Panthers, guy says, and Wes, it's not you. No game speed at all, and I think Chuba is pound for pound our best player. I disagree there. I think Adam Thielen, for sure, has proven statistically. Uh, Is that Matt Rule's wife burner account texting in there? <laughs> yeah, on a game-in, game-out basis. I think Adam Thielen has proven uh, that he's the guy on this offense to go to to make plays right now. And our go-to guy as we go into break, Shroppy, let's shrop it like it's hot for the second time today. Oh, you didn't miss that one, but you missed my campus corner intro. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know. Gentlemen, it is a Fantastic Friday, and that's because we have Formula One back in the United States of America this oh, we weekend. We're international right now, huh? Well, they're in they're in Texas right now. Mm-hmm. They're in Austin, Texas, and this is actually a sprint weekend. So that means we have one practice session today that's happening right now, and then at 5 p.m. they have qualifying for the race, and then the shootout is tomorrow. So yeah, Max Verstappen has got the championship sold up, but oh, man. Yeah. One of my, um, you know, life goals, fantasies, whatever you want to say, is me being at the Monaco Grand Prix, oh, you know, yeah. with my shirt open, shades on, yeah. you know, drinking my hand. A flute, a flute of champagne. Cussing out my man because he doesn't know how to pronounce it Grand Prix. Grand Prix. Grand Prix. You know, I'm sitting there telling him, yo, it's Grand Prix, oh. not Grand Prix. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Grand like, Prix. Me just being there, just being bougie as ever, acting like I fit in with the people of Monaco because it's like a it. very opulent uh, race with the boats, yachts, all that, man. All I just casinos. Like, that's yeah. what I like about Formula One. That's why I love Drive to Survive on Netflix, man, because... It's a spectacle. You know, not that I'm super materialistic like that, man. It's just when you watch... F1, it's just got a feel to it. It's got a gravitas to it that I enjoy when I watch that. Are you um, 
into F1 an ounce. I watch it on Memorial Day when I watch the Monaco Grand Prix. You should check out. You John- watch the worst race then, dude. Monaco's uh, like it's great. It's fun. It's a cool thing to watch, mm-hmm. but it's the worst race because there's no passing. Yeah, you should watch uh, Drive to Survive, though. I think you would enjoy it. It's Maybe really when cool. I'm done with uh, Two and a Half Men yeah. and Breaking Bad. And then I got to watch. What's the other show you tell me I got to watch? Uh, boo, woo, woo. Uh, you need to watch Last Chance yeah, You. Yeah, Last Chance You. Yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff, man, that I try to put you guys on that, that you want. But anyway, we're going to come back and Kevin Todd of Vegas Mistake going to help you make those fat stacks. Get the Skrilla on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Yes, sir. It is Friday here on the Wes and Walker show. All kind of stuff going on during the break. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff that we can't, you know, let you guys in on conversations, different types of stuff, man. But keep the text coming. 704-570-9610. This is the Wes and Walker show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I'm joined by Shroppy on the boards and Josh Fitty Marlowe as well. My co-host. And to talk about this week in football, to be able to help you make some Skrilla, we've got Kevin Todd from VegasMistake.com, the place where they find the mistakes in the Vegas odds in order to help you line your pockets with plenty of green. Kevin, nice to hear from you once again. Thank you, sir. And let me just tell your listeners out there, every single weekend in college football, there's always mistakes. Because I always tell you that the public bets on how teams play the previous week. That's the public perception. It's just human nature. And what we do here at Vegas Mistake, we find the mistakes. I have three games going this weekend in the college football. If I don't show your listeners a winning weekend, I give them the next week for free. All they have to do is go to VegasMistake.com, sign up. It's $99 for the week, and I must show you a winning weekend. Not just covering the spread. I have dogs that are going to win the game outright. Kevin, what selections do you have this week for us to give us the insight? Well, I'm going to give you primetime games. Not only am I going to give you a primetime game in college and pro, but in the pro game, I'm telling you, what do you call it when the, what is it, with skin? What do you call the money thing, the slang? The Skrilla. Okay, I got a game you could put all your Skrilla on <laughs> okay. in the NFL. So let's go right here to the college. The One of the marquee games, guys, is uh, Penn State, Ohio State. Now, you remember last year, the only loss at home that um, Penn State had was to Ohio State. I love this game here. The line opened up at five. It's now down to four and a half. I like Ohio. Uh, Penn State here catching the points here. Mm. They're also playing with revenge. And let me tell you, Penn State is 9-0 and against the spread. Their last nine Big Ten contests. Not only that, they're 10-2 and against the spread. Their last 13 conference road games. And the bad here for Ohio State, they're 0-5 at, at home against the spread when the line is 10 points or less. And they're 0-5 at home when they play a team undefeated playing with revenge. Give me Penn State here, plus the four and a half, not just to win, gentlemen, not just to cover, but to win the game outright. All right. And so uh, when we talk about local interest here, ACC football, Duke, Florida State, what are your thoughts uh, on that game this weekend? Well, let me tell you, we all know Florida State 
has dominated this series. But this is a different Duke team right now. Listen, they came all the way back and they showed some heart against um, Notre Dame. They ended up losing that game. I believe they gave that guy the touchdown on purpose at the end so they could have more time on the clock to try to go down there and score. But let me tell you, um, I should say Duke. They're 14 and five straight up and 13 and four against the spread with this new quarterback they have in there. I don't know if he's playing this week because he was hurt, but not only that, Duke is three and zero straight up and against the spread as a double-digit dog. I don't know if they could pull the upset here. I think they're going to keep it close against Florida State. I'm taking Duke here in this matchup plus the points. No doubt about it. And you said you had an NFL game as well that you had of significant interest? Listen, this is a game you could put all your Skittles, whatever you call the money thing. <laughs> I love this game. Hear me out. This game is such a trap game that this could be the best bet of, like, the week, the month, the year, whatever you say. I love the Eagles in this matchup at home against the Dolphins. Now, I'm going to tell you something right here. 5-23. and 23. Let me repeat that again. 5-23. and 23. That is the record of all the teams that the Miami Dolphins have beaten. They have beaten nobody. They beat every single bottom feeder in the NFL. When they go on the road and they play a football team that's real, like the, like the Eagles, like the Buffalo Bills, who did murder them, they don't play well. Plus the fact, if you remember, Jalen Hurts lost his job to Tua over there in Alabama. And let me tell you, last week when they played the Jets, they didn't get beat. They beat themselves. And the fact that they lost to the Jets, we are getting so much value here at home. And the odds makers only are making this two and a half because everyone saw them lose to the Jets. But let me tell you, Philadelphia is 6-2 and two straight up against the spread in bounce to back. And bounce back games coming off a loss, including a four and zero straight up in the last four. Not only that, they're six and one versus opponents against the spread when they have a win percentage better than seven fifty. And the Dolphins, they're only one and five against the spread in games coming off a pair of fourteen point wins. Folks, don't fall for the trap. The Dolphins aren't as good as you think they are. Eagles off a loss. This is the game of the week, the month, the year. Lay the two and a half with the Eagles. I love it. All right, Kevin. Well, hey, man, let the people know once again what you got going on VegasMistake.com. Guys, go to VegasMistake.com. It's my website. Read up about me. See who I am. I'm telling you, if I don't have a winning weekend this week in college football, I'm going to give you the next week for free. That's also including with my NFL. Not only do I find the mistakes, folks, but I find dogs where you could also bet like 75% on the on the point spread and 25% of your bankroll goes on the money line. I find dogs where you could cash in anywhere between 3 to 1 or 8 to 1. If you remember when Miami lost to Georgia Tech, I told all my clients Take the 21 and sprinkle a little bit on the money line. Yes, we got lucky because the coach had a brain fart or whatever you want to call it, but a win is a win. We had Georgia Tech and the game and the money line. I'm telling you, folks, sign up. Go to my website. It's $99, VegasMistake.com. You won't regret it. No doubt about it, Kevin. We appreciate you coming through, as always, giving us the insight on the games that you are feeling, and hopefully people will be celebrating because of all of the money that you made them this weekend. We'll see you next week, my friend. Thank you. All right. So that was Kevin Todd right there giving you his picks. He says, take Penn State. He says, take Duke to cover. And then he says, take the Philadelphia Eagles at home Sunday night. That's going to be a massive game. I know I'm excited about that one. So that's going to be interesting. And then Jalen Hurts factor that he talked about as well. Uh, I said, I know his teammates are 
very much um, getting him into this game by telling him, hey, man, Tua took your job in college. This is your chance to show everybody that you are that guy, man. So that's going to be a fun matchup. You looking forward to that one, Fiddy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be going to be the game of the year, I think. I think it's got a shootout written all over it, and I think we're going to really learn. Like he said Miami is not that good. Um, I think we're going to find out just how good the Dolphins are if they can go into the link and compete with the team I still think is the best team in the NFC. Yeah, I think you said the best team in the NFC. That's, are you trolling? or like? No, I, I still think push comes to shove. I would pick the Eagles to come out of the NFC okay. when the season's all well, said and done. Did you know that the last 17 quarterbacks that lost in the Super Bowl never made it back? Did you know that? <laughs> nope. Didn't didn't know that. Yeah, so Jalen Hurts would fall into that category. I don't see it with them. I think they're playing good football, but I think this is a flawed offense. I think they're struggling. Um, I'm gonna go against Kevin Todd. I like Miami. I think the fans come in there, the weather's still warm enough. They don't have to worry about getting hit in the cold. And those Tyreek Kelly Hill. Green uniforms though? Yeah, I think they're gonna come in there and get it done. I think the Eagles have kind of been flirting with mediocrity this year. They've still been getting by. They've got a lot of playmakers, there's no question about it. But I'm gonna say the Dolphins are gonna come in here and approve it game and I think they prove it so we'll see man I told my barber that this morning too he didn't like that too much but he still gave me uh, a nice haircut you went to the barber shop big... today you can't tell you were supposed to take me to get the fresh cut for ACC oh, tip off next Lord. week do you want to go we can make you an appointment I've already got different reservations okay alright well there you go again Just <laughs> <laughs> making up nonsense alright well when we come back it's time for the live wire connect with Josh Fitty Marlowe on sports radio 92.7 WFNZ